This episode is brought to you by Visit Ithaca. Ithaca, New York boasts an authentic craft beverage experience, tasty farm-to-table culinary adventures, and scenic outdoor recreation among 150 waterfalls. Plan your trip today with help from visitithaca.com. Hey, this is Hannah, HRN's program manager. It's HRN's 10th anniversary and now our summer fun drive. So show your support for independent, revolutionary, entertaining food radio by becoming a monthly recurring donor. HRN is powered by a passionate community of thoughtful eaters, and we need each and every one of you to show your support so that we can keep bringing you your favorite food podcasts. It takes a village, and every dollar donated, every listener tuning in is essential to our continued success. So set up a donation for $10 every month. You'll show us that you want to be a part of a bright future for HRN. And you'll get one of our brand new limited edition Pizza Pocket t-shirts. So snag your new favorite tea and show us some love, all for the price of about two fancy lattes each month. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate today. And thank you. Good morning. This is the main course OG. I don't know about you guys, but I would like a pizza pocket tea. I am pizza is my favorite food always. So uh, I think I need to uh, give a little extra donation to Heritage Radio Network and get a pizza pocket tea and pin. So I am Emily Pearson. Today is Thursday, June 13th. I am here with my co-host Patrick Martin. Hello. Hello. And we also have Eric Koss of the Alameda Sun newspaper in California on the line. Hi there. Good morning. Good morning, Eric. And uh, we have our guest for the Weekly Grill. We have two awesome people here. We have Chef Young Shin of Inza, also Hi. known as Inza yeah. in Gowanus, Brooklyn. However you want to pronounce it, we'll take it. All right. Yeah. Tell me the actual pronunciation. Inza. Inza. It's a big restaurant. A lot of the chefs that come are, you know, beautiful restaurants. They're tiny places, mom and pop joints. That's a mom and pop joint, but it's huge. Yeah, I mean, well, Gowanus like, gives you a little more square footage. It's got typically, a huge right? bar. Totally. It's got a huge restaurant that has a karaoke booth in the yeah. back. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about karaoke later. I want to know uh, a little bit more about your 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 karaoke inner workings over <laughs> here. And we also have a natural wine sommelier and consultant, Doreen Winkler, uh, from Hamburg, Germany. How long have you been in New York? Ten years. All right. I still hear the... Sounds the, like American. Oh, no, you, you hear a little German interaction? Well, uh, I'm working on my accent. <laughs> she, uh, Doreen it. is actually Doreen. 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 Right. And, and Young is actually... I'm Korean, but um, I grew up in the Middle East. And, and I used to have a British accent, actually. So really? how is it pronounced, Young? Young. Young. Young and Doreen. And then at the British school, what did they tell you to call yourself? I mean, I, I, I just said Young, but, you know... And then I became Americanized. So, did you have a British accent for a while? Yeah, all, all my life until I like a year into New York. I'm like, uh, bye. With kitchens, uh, it just working in kitchens. Yeah, it just got just rid of it. Being surrounded by Americans, it, it's it, and but it comes out when you're with specific people. But you know, so if you're in a accents. room, if you're in a room of Brits, you're suddenly British. Uh, you know, I become <laughs> blonder when I go to Denmark. Oh my yeah, my hair becomes blonder. It's really weird. <laughs> 
Well, Patrick speaks a bunch of languages, so do you feel more Italian when you're in a room of Italians? I've been with you in a... I have a, like a ball of vocabulary words, and if you change the cadence and the end of the words, then you're speaking that language. For the Romance languages, German is different. German is extremely specific. Yeah. You have a, a literally a word for every single thought thing that could happen. But it's also like very harsh. So even if you say I love you, it's like ich liebe dich. It's, it's not, it doesn't sound, doesn't sound that sound nice. not warm and fuzzy <laughs> no. at all. When I learned uh, when I lived with Carlo Petrini and Azio in Slow Food, they taught me about the Commedia dell'arte, which were these traveling comedy troops and music troops that would go from place to place in Europe. Even when there were wars going on, the comedy troops were allowed to go, but they only spoke their own language: English if it was an English troop, or Italian if they were an Italian troop. But they, they learn the cadence and the, ah, you know, so with just a few vocabulary words, they could actually act out all the great Greek plays and all this. And, but it was So they comedia. were still speaking Italian, but they gave it a little... They, like would, a little... they would either use a lot of gesture, but then they would throw out the key words like kill or love or sex or fuck, you know, and then with the 50 words, they spoke the language, basically. It was all really, right. really That's cool. Amazing. Well, uh, I wonder if Doreen agrees completely. But. No, but as she said, the sound of right. the cadence of German versus the cadence of Spanish, you know, is vastly different. And then mm -hmm. English is just falling somewhere in no man's land right there. So, <laughs> All right, we are going to jump into our segment, The Weekly Based. Uh, we have uh, a little round robin here. Name the cooking tool that has played the biggest role in your life or career thus far. Please say who you are. Tongs. Tongs. You took mine. Oh, we did really? Not, we did I not always use tongs. I like the long wooden spoon that they they don't what? make as much anymore, probably because they say it keeps bad germs The one in that it. Alice Waters likes? Yeah, just like a long wood one. And a trivet to put my tongs when they're dirty. <laughs> Chef? Uh, young here. Um, I want to say probably a knife, but because it's obviously so valuable. Uh, just a sharp one. It doesn't matter what brand. I don't care if it's Japanese or... Um, whatever dexter knife or a spoon i mean you, you, those two tools are just so a spoon critical. is way more critical than a fork a fork is just like forget it yeah you don't even need it screw it just use your hands <laughs> so do you uh that's interesting do what knife set do you own i mean i i i own a couple of misonos um various um stages like the beginner one to the um, Are those the Japanese better ones? Knives? Yeah, yeah, and um, I mean, they're they, I got them because they're affordable, but they're easy to sharpen. How then, do you sharpen it? You have a stone? Yeah, just with a whetstone. Yeah, but it doesn't really matter. Like I could take any knife, and as long as it's sharpened properly or just decently sharp, I'm happy. You know. I think that for home, you know, for home cooks, you know, we all think maybe you go out and you buy like the best, the sharpest, best knife that you're reading about. But if you don't know how to sharpen it, it's as bad as a shitty knife, you yeah. know, in what, a year, you know, it depends how much you're using it. Right. Exactly. It doesn't matter. Just take care of your knife or learn how to take care of there it. There used to be, uh, I grew up on the Upper West Side here in New York, and there used to be a guy who went around uh, in like, it looked like a food truck and he was the knife sharpener. Yeah, he still exists. Yeah, he's still or there's a guy in who in Brooklyn too yeah he sharpens all of our uh, scissors to cut our meats and the grill. it's expensive it's like five dollars a knife it's or is that just the mail order price the wholesale price is less probably <laughs> well that or you gauge the neighborhood Gowanus might have one price the upper west side might be like how much can i get out of these people uh, uh, next time i see him i'm like i'm visiting from Gowanus. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's interesting. Scissors. So you guys use scissors a lot at inside? It's such a Korean tool. Like you'll see it everywhere. It's also an Italian tool. The the pizza. Oh yeah. Pizza Italian. I don't know if that's Italian or Americanized version, but I thought it was a Franny's thing. But yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's true. Yeah. Eric, what's yours? Yeah. I was just going to say, uh, I think I would agree on the spoon thing. Uh, they say, uh, you know, the more talented the artist, the, the the better work they can do with the more rudimentary of a tool. So I was just going to say a wooden spoon. It's like the straight-up wooden spoon. You can get a lot done with that. And uh, for some reason, it inspires me, I guess. You know, people used to spank me with a wooden spoon. I don't know. <laughs> Things like that. Don't know. <laughs> well, I love they the idea of the wooden, wooden spoons on us. The wooden spoon, because my favorite food to share with strangers or people I know a little bit, communal soup. So I love sharing soup. I also like going hiking with hot soup. Mountain climbing, hiking, I have a little hot soup. You're such a hiker, Patrick, such a hiker. No, I'm kidding. No one ever shares soup. No, except uh, why Patrick and I will Patrick and I will come here to Roberta's and we'll get the split pea. But he says, "Can we have the quarter pea? Can we split it between the two of us?" <laughs> Doreen, what's yours? Uh, I do a lot of things uh, in the oven, so I would say some kind of pots. Um, Cru- Le Creuset. Yeah. Well, I'll say I have Spend a great old on. wine opener that no one builds anymore, and everyone who comes to my house and uses it loves it. It's just wood, and it has like. I guess it looks like a, I don't know, a little dome. And, and, and you go, and then eventually the dome hits the bottle and therefore starts pulling up the cork, and then you have the thing. I think maybe, I don't know why they don't use that. I mean, it's the most brilliant thing. Is it just because it's more expensive, and so the more interesting, effective corkscrews got phased out of the market, even though they're the best? I don't know. I mean, I love the the regular... Um, what kind? wine opener. I have. Why one. does everyone call Let's them wine keys? By wine the way, key. Let's see it. Show our show our listeners. <laughs> yeah, show our listeners exactly. <laughs> show our listeners, and I'm also she's going to demonstrate the exact method to open a bottle of wine. I hope our listeners are watching. <laughs> <laughs> so that so the the one that she's showing us right now is like the very simple what most mm-hmm. restaurants yeah, or, or servers well, yeah, call yeah, them wine care. keys. Yeah. Why is it called mm-hmm. that? Do you know? I honestly, that's a thing that Americans made up. The key to the wine. I've, I've How do you say key before. in German? Schlüssel. Schlüssel. That actually the sounds very nice. Schlüssel. Like Schlüssel is actually nicer than key, as a sound. And so, very important is the blade on there. Oh. Um, do you ever not cut off the very top of the label and just go straight in with the? No, and I see so many. Every time I have, it's a fail. Why? Why? Because there's a risk of some of the metal falling into the wine. There is, but there's also that's not caring. You know, like uh, first of all, I don't think that customers or guests want to see that. It's good for them to see that, Um, but also like it just doesn't seem like. They care. They, they care about them. the. Are you anthropomorphizing the little metal cap on the wine? No, I do. I think there is a certain <laughs> culture to things, and they they should not do that. On that note, screw top. Are you okay with that? Yeah. yeah. Are there any tops you are against? Actually, my mother is from Cork. How dare you? <laughs> I I don't really like the silicone corks. They seem not so great at times. But um, I'm very open-minded when it comes to that. 
Well, I think that in the summertime, the, the screw top wines definitely do better business. People who are like going to the park, having more of the spontaneous bottle of wine. Well, people who are in a rush, they need to get drunk fast. Exactly. The screw top saves like 10, 12 seconds. <laughs> I was unaware, by the way, that all the domestic beers are, uh, are screw top caps. You just twist them. Oh, really? All the domestic? All the domestic beers. No, I think, is that true? <laughs> yeah, you got well, like it. Or is it the quality beers versus okay, the non? Maybe not the domestic craft beers, but the domestic, like Fast Heineken, beers. Rolling Rock, mm. uh, Bud Light, all of those. Interesting. Every time I hand my American husband a bottle cat. opener, he's like, I don't need it. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm in a rush. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm in a rush. Exactly. All right. We were talking about this before a little bit. In what ways are you a perfectionist? A no holds barred, absolute stickler for 100% perfection. Mine is pronouncing our guest's names correctly. Yes. So, <laughs> Doreen. 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 Do you want to start? You said you're a, a perfectionist oh, when it comes to a. You know, I'm really in the just, restaurant. I'm still trying to calm down, and like I just, I'm not a chill person, which people tell me all the time. I want to be, um, but I really, I care, and I have very high standards. I don't see them everywhere, but I don't want to lower my standards for anybody. What. I hate the most is probably sending up a beautiful new wine list to uh, the designer and it comes back completely different. <laughs> different so stylistically? Not- like you've, you've told them this is how you should, the, the name of the producer should read and they, they just run Yeah, ahead. kind of it's like uh, I, I want it to be like this first and maybe the grape, you know, and then it comes back in a different way. But also like, uh, you know, letters are added or, or forgotten. And uh, like, I don't know. Sometimes the grammar just goes really off. So you're not like a relaxed, laid back, beach going German like most Germans. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. Okay. I wish so everyone could see Patrick's face standard. very <laughs> serious right now. Well, I did in graduate school study this one weird writer named Kennedy who said that the people of Europe, I guess he was talking about, are a product of their environment over the past three, 10, 20, 30,000 years. So the English being on an island, you know, were explorers. They wanted to go out. They want to go beyond. German was forest. So there was maybe more of a desire for order. You know, Italy was a boot in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. So they were being conquered by everybody. You know, you are kind of a product of your environment. But anyway, the Germans are known for organization. That's a good question. Look at me. (laughs) In shape. Friendly. I don't know. What are your just for success? Young, what's your? uh, Where are you a perfectionist? Um, I'm I'm kind of with Doreen there. um, In general, but I think and also, I, I mean, there's just so many areas I like to pay attention to. But I think just getting shit done is one thing. Mm-hmm. It, it has to happen. Industriousness, I, kind of. Yeah, just like if I have to do something, it has it's got to be done. And um, following up. Um, what would your employees say? Oh my God, he's always on me for this, or I could be one crumb off on this, and he notices. Right. I mean. I'm pretty sure people notice at the restaurant how I see things and like I'm literally running around and seeing things that people won't notice because you know it's it's partly my baby you know but I definitely relaxed over the last three years because you know in the first six months to a year I'm like okay that's it's unhealthy and like you got to pick your battles and it's very important to know what you're should you should be a perfectionist on 
Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, try to keep it at 90% as opposed to 100. So if you were at 100, when you're there, it's 100. When you're not there, would you say it falls to what? 90, 85? I, I, what's your fear I, I, and what's the reality? Say, I can't say a number, but, you know, it's also about letting go and trusting. And, you know, I don't have, I don't want to care about that. And as a restaurateur, like to not care about that is a, it's a gift and you have to just accept it you know well i learned i learned the way to by doing that like with emily that you're actually a better salesperson than me so i used to try to control it like what you say and occasionally i will still but basically you're speaking to 150 accounts i don't know what you're saying or what price quotes you're doing but it makes sense and so i mean the good thing about letting go is then some people are actually maybe as good or better exactly or in the case of emily as good oh thank you yes as good as good. As good. good But you, I mean, you have a great team at Inside. You know, your partners are, are Sohi Kim and Ben Schneider. And mm-hmm. so he's also a chef. And yep. um, so it, it seems like you have a, a good team doing things. Like you buy a, a half pig from us every single week. Are you the one who breaks it down? Or is that delegated to... Uh, they buy more than that. They also buy well, like eight bone-in skin-on bellies. <laughs> and eight pieces of jaw. Skin-on. No glands. Correct. <laughs> Yes, yes to all of In case of you anyone was worrying about the specs of the, the pork that arrives at <laughs> See, Eric, we're week. talking more about our business. Right, yeah. So, like, when it's your babies, like uh, John said, Young said, um, this uh, um, product that you're putting out, uh, it the product you should really aim for, like, 100% perfection if you can. I mean, everything else that happens around the product it maybe isn't. It's like eighty percent effective or something. But mm. as long as the product gets pretty close to a hundred, I think you'll stay in business. I mean, that's how our newspaper um, has managed to stay profitable here in the middle of Silicon Valley. Um, we're still doing it here just because we care about all the kinds of stuff that matters, like objectivity and um, trying to create balance and um, all that kind of stuff that journalists uh, don't always do anymore. Mm-hmm. But uh, that kind of perfection, I think, is important to the readers, so we try to maintain it as best we can. Well, we are going to hear the top story uh, of the uh, of the newspaper, <laughs> the Gazette today. I know it's not a Gazette, but I think Gazette means yeah. like a newspaper, like a news feed, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, um, a bunch of those types of words. I want to uh, important steer segue. to something serious. So with Brexit, you know, uh, it's possible that the kind of right, like there'll be a right movement, you know, a conservative movement that overtakes. And uh, if they do take power, I know we know they don't love Meghan Markle. And, uh, you know, what if they try to make her leave, you know, extradite her? So we're imagining this situation because we love Meghan. You know, it's a tough job, but she's out there. She's on trial to be extradited and she's given the chance by a chef to cook one dish or to have one dish made and all the English people will simultaneously be given this one dish, which is her last effort right before the vote to sway so she could stay in England with the rest of her family and such. <laughs> with her new baby and not what have the baby be taken make? from her. No, he would move with her. Are you sure? He I don't know. The Brits her. can be tough. What is your dish? Um, I ask for everybody. It could be, you know, any type of food. It doesn't have to it be It can food. be a bite. A dish right. could be a drink. Right. Uh, I, I I had to Wikipedia her upbringing <laughs> coming on just to see what just where she was from, were... and supposedly she she was brought up in L.A. Okay. And I yeah. I, I mean I'd have to just ask her like, hey, what what's your what did you grow up eating? Obviously, and that would probably be the dish. But 
So well, that would pull at everyone's heartstrings. Exactly, but I, I you know, you just, I don't care about thing. Yeah. yeah, I don't care about the Brits and what what they want to eat for their that bite. But I think maybe a really good taco could be a very good. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. If yeah. you grew up in L.A., it might be a street taco. Yeah. Good, Eric. No, yeah, no, that's actually a good thing. And then everyone would be like, I too have my taco. <laughs> We're really not too far apart, me and Megan. Mm, I think I'd be on the other end of the spectrum. I think I'd be sucking up to the Brits. I might try for the perfect biscuit. Or is it a crumpet? Is there a crumpet a croissant? Okay, I'm going to oh, go with the... Per- are, you, are we talking about scones? Yes. No, I'm talking about a biscuit, but I love scones. Uh, I would say a biscuit with like the perfect whipped butter. So you would go I'd small go, dairy, you know, yes. uh, what are those? Support local, small dairy, maybe from the English countryside, but the biscuit has to be perfect. Hmm. Maybe she's celiac. Yeah. <laughs> maybe she's celiac. Maybe the, maybe the entire uh, British community is all has celiac. So how would you answer, Doreen? Uh, most likely I would do something that I'm already really comfortable with. Um, and I do cook a lot of German at home and... People ask me also to cook at their home and throw parties that are German dishes, which is a lot because we really we braise a lot. The whole, at some point it goes in the oven and goes away for hours, but um, it's a lot of prep. I would probably make uh, my beef roulades. Okay. Um, What's in there? What's rouladed in there? Um, there's mustard, bacon, and pickles. Seedy oh. mustard? Seed mustard? Uh, the... No. No, no. No. Um, some good old Dijon or some German mustard from uh, I go a lot to the German um, supermarket spicy pickles um, no not necessarily dill pickles dill pickles and mm. then I would make my uh, my um, um, cabbage huh. and then uh, some homemade dumplings well the best and worst answer we got to this question was when some someone said oh for the english people i would or, you know if i was cooking for the english people i don't know why i would be but i would make dumplings and a Wiener schnitzel and we were like why would you do this and he thought megan markle was markle the german <laughs> chancellor Merkel. and we were like yeah. the Angela olive Merkel. branch through german cuisine interesting do you remember that yes happened? i do and I, yeah on that note I, now i know a young googled uh, just to check on megan markle's background do you have i feel sorry for eric eric do you have a new you get asked this question every two weeks do you have a new the- thing that you would serve her me? Uh, you would serve well, the English I was people. with the street taco idea, um, but, uh, you know, um, gosh. Uh, what do know, they serve? Something fancy. Do they have good concession stand food at, like, Oracle Arena and stuff? I mean, has the sustainable food movement hit your arenas? Uh, to some degree. They've, they, they've been getting fancier and fancier all the time, especially over where the Giants play uh, in San Francisco. They've got some really uh, great... Uh, concessions over there. They're famous for the garlic fries. I know that's pretty basic, but um, that's what uh, the San Francisco Stadium is known for. Well, hold on. Speaking of, you you told me before the show that Alameda is having one of its famous street fairs this weekend with lots of deep fried pickles, Oreos, and, you know, other things you really, really sustainable items. What is, uh, what's everyone's personal experience uh, with festival and street fair foods? In New York City, diarrhea. (laughs) That's what my personal experience is. Because I swear to God, I don't know why when I get so mad, I'm driving around New York, I'm like, they closed it down the street on third avenue from like 23rd to 59th for this 
Now, if they brought new people on and partnered with the green market, it would be fantastic. But those old guys, maybe keep a couple of them. But you don't need well, Italian and sausage. It re- and it repeats every like three or four blocks. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I I loved yeah. them when I was younger, so it would be like a big deal when like Broadway or Amsterdam or Third Avenue uh, on the Upper East Side was known for that one. Actually, invited the shops that were selling like with the boutiques with the stands cool. in front. So there was actually like mm. the sidewalk sale kind of mentality, and those were cool and different. But like the one on Broadway, it ended up being just junk. Yeah. And junky food. Terrible. And like, uh, you know, I don't know yeah. what kind of mafia owns that energy, but <laughs> There's like... There's gotta be one. Let some other people in because you're just not attracting the crowds. No, I mean, not even. Everyone gets hurt when you don't attack crowds. <laughs> Young, the streets of Dubai, right. was, there, was there street food? And, uh, uh, I didn't go festivals? to... There weren't many fairs per se, um, but I think what comes to mind is um, uh, shawarmas and oh, yes. manaish. Like <laughs> What's the, that? Manaisha's, uh, um, there's this place called the Lebanese Bakery that would go from like age 13 to 18 at various times because it's 24 hours. There's obviously a cat in the bakery too. And it's basically a freshly baked flatbread and they put some sheep's milk cheese and sometimes like olive oil, za'atar, and then stuff it with tomatoes, onions, and delicious. Yeah. Incredible. Middle Eastern food is just the best. We go to a restaurant called Tannerine a lot. Yeah, Tannerine's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I could eat there three times a week. Yeah. And be healthy. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Germany, I love it. I love all... I'm 40, 50 pounds overweight because of German food. <laughs> it's my Starting fault. and ending it's with the pretzel. Fault. It's specifically your fault. Yes. Uh, I don't eat that much of German food, but this is like what I feel familiar with for good cooking. Um, we eat a lot of Obviously, I'm dating a Chinese guy. We eat a lot of Chinese food, but homemade. Because really, like, what is added in some of the restaurants, I'm sorry, it's just too much sugar. Mm. And, uh, yeah, too much fat. But, yeah. <laughs> we I don't like it too. when, when you, they wrap a, a, a knock or bratwurst yeah. in a pretzel. <laughs> In mm-hmm. a donut. And then deep fry it? <laughs> deep fry. I've never heard of that. <laughs> Salted. Sounds like bear food. That is so American. In a beer. It has to be those tall glasses. Yeah, it has to be shaped like a boot, right? So, uh, Eric, t- tell us about yeah. yours. Oh, well, um, I, you know, traditionally going back uh, to Warren, New Jersey, there was this event called Warren Expo, and I think they still have it, and the thing they would always do there is the Zeppoli and the funnel cakes. Mm. You guys remember those? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, just basically fried dough. It's delicious, and uh, that would be, like, my fair food that I would, like, fall for all the time, but... You guys have farmer's markets. Crazier. Yeah. You have farmer's markets where people serve lunch. He seems okay our, with it in New yeah. Jersey, but not with it in Alameda. But our farmer's markets don't serve lunch here in New York, so you can't eat there. There, you go to the farmer's market, you're spending six hours and spending $180. You're getting your food, you're getting oysters, you have your two mm-hmm. kids around with you, you're buying for your friend. Because you can spend four hours here, you come, you leave. I don't, yeah, I never somehow know. the somehow the food truck preparation doesn't mix in with the farmers markets here. They're like distinct entities. You either have mm-hmm. so many food trucks you don't know where how to pick, and you go to something like Schmorgasburg here in New York, or you go to the farmers market and you have to take everything home. Mm-hmm. Just a lot of money gets spent on that block, not at the farmers market. Mm-hmm. Not using farmer market stuff. Mm-hmm. Because I think in the old days, like City Bakery was there and they didn't want to hurt business. But now that it's all movie theaters or 
I, I used to think Barnes and Noble was bad. Now Barnes and Noble is good, so I can't give them as an example. But you know, all these big companies, McDonald's is of the world, corporations, Amazon, Whole Foods. Yeah, let the guys sell sandwiches. Right. Or Green Market should sell for them. But anyway. All right, I'm, I'm deviating here. So CBD, what do, what do you guys think about it? Is it too much? Is there any industry it's not invading? We just read about another new product, a CBD seltzer from a company called Sprig. Do you guys, are you CBD people? Um, um, I've never tried I'm CBD. Morbid. Eric? Oh, I'm more of a THC person myself, (laughs) neither here or there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's exploding, especially out here where it's legal. Um, You should see the range of products they have, edibles, extracts, whatever. It's it's a huge range and growing all the time. CBD is everywhere. I mean, it's got to be a passing thing. I think once pop become legalized then that's going to really hurt the CBD market totally. because people could do what they want to do legally. Not everybody. Yeah, but I think also it's a, it's a stepping stone for people to know like, hey, pot's harmless. CBD is just a you know, non-psychoactive part that relaxes right. you, and which is all gravy. But obviously, you know, seltzer and all this kind of the market just blowing up and being overhyped. And you can add CBD tincture to your cocktail for $2. And, you know, that's all... That's crazy. We're no, so different get, than the medicine men. Well, I went men to get coffees victims. this morning, and yeah. the, the the like impulse buys at the register at every deli are all CBD chocolates or CBD huh. gummies, and mm-hmm. you know I think it's and and half the time the box is almost empty because it's huh. just someone's like last minute like why not why not or <laughs> yeah. I've been wanting to try this or yeah this is what gets me through my morning. Right. So yeah. I have a question. So all these people smoking on subways or in a plane or you know at an airport. <laughs> Just doing this thing. <laughs> what percentage of that is pot? And Who knows? Per- yeah, no Who one knows, knows. actually. Because <laughs> sometimes they both look the same. And It was smell. I mean, yeah, by removing they- the smell from yeah. pot, anyone, everyone could be smoking right now. Pretty much. We're, waiters. I see waiters doing it in the restaurant. You know, it's just great. Then, and then half <laughs> of them are the, are the electronic cigarettes. So then you also... Yeah. But everyone does this very subtle, weird thing where they grip the entire thing with their fists so like you don't see what they have in their mouth. Yeah. And then you They're, blow into that, your those shirt. Those guys are pot. Because yeah. they like, must look Yeah, exactly. Like, you don't have to be freaky about uh, it. Yeah, exactly. Because you can literally smoke in the MTE. You know, I'm not... I'm not but it's still, weird. <laughs> it is weirder. It's like, what are they doing? Are I still go like, into an alcove even if I'm just lighting like a regular cigarette. I'm like, wait, this is totally legal. I'm not in California. This is legal. I won't get yelled at by some old lady. It's kind of like the new gold rush. It's the green rush or whatever. Everybody's trying to get rich off some kind of product. Exactly. I guess it's working for some. But isn't the bubble going to burst? Aren't there like too many people in the game? Yeah, probably. And they will get consolidated at some point into some big mega weed corp. Amazon weed, yeah. Is there CBD yeah, and wine exactly. anywhere yet, Doreen? Have you seen it? Yeah. Really? I've Are had, you drunk on it right now? <laughs> I've had natural Honestly, wine with weed in it before, and it was I, disgusting. It was like bong wine. I haven't gotten anything good there, but I was honestly a little bit scared to taste it mm. because, like, it was a morning and uh, it was work, and I had to go somewhere else after. <laughs> but it was morning and it was work, and work was tasting. I guess that was part of the right, part of the project. She then proceeded to drive to work at two miles an hour. <laughs> Because she was nervous about when it was going to kick in, yeah. I'm a block away. I'll be there in an hour. (laughs) Basically. 
So, um, well, I mean, uh, should we talk about the... I mean, I want to talk about music. Me because too. we have a good... But, okay, go. Ask music. Okay. So, this was actually Patrick's question yesterday. Oh. We were talking. Music and restaurants. Long ago, Babo lost a star from the New York Times, partially for the music being too loud. David Chang is known for personally curating the playlists in all of his restaurants. It seems to us like every restaurant puts a lot of energy and thought into the music. Do you guys agree? Yes, I'm very, very particular about my. <laughs> He's a perfectionist. Music. He answered his own question. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and at the same time, also lately, I've I've been more democratic about it. But I make I make most of the playlists for the restaurant. They're like five to eight hours long. I put a lot of thought and care into it, and I want it to be relevant, old, and new. And but I just don't want it to be that same old '90s hip hop Brooklyn. Restaurant and music. you also don't want like a Pandora playlist that someone else. Yeah, put that, and everyone has the same kind of sounds. If you go to a bunch of restaurants, like they're they're all, every, you know once upon a time they're playing, they just like ruin songs that you loved growing up. And so now I like put a lot of thought and care, and it's very wide ranging. And how Do you often- go as far as actually like seeing what's happening at a dinner table and playing a song like if it's a breakup. So you'll play a breakup song, or if you know they're going to the beach, you'll play rock, rock, rock away. Beat right, you right. know they're going there. Cause you you got to have contrast, and you got to have music for all moods and all ages, and you know, be mindful of the, you know, the audience. But essentially, you're creating a vibe, even though you know that's such a funny way to put it. But you know, you, it's Emily about. Emily and I walk in, die, die, you know, we're like, hey, who's <laughs> the doing Jews the music? arrived. <laughs> The Jewish pork purveyors arrived. Let's put on a Passover right. song. So, do you have different music for Beach like, Boys daytime? for you, Eric? Oh, I think music has a big <laughs> impact on the feeling of a place. Um, it can it can kind of convey whether it's trying to be upscale or hip or you know uh, I don't or just not caring. I, I think there are a fair amount of restaurants out there that don't pay attention. Like you say, they just kind of stick a Pandora playlist on or some radio station and just don't even care. But, um, yeah, I think it's a, it has a major impact on how a place feels when you get in there to dine. Um, so there are companies that, that have, I think it's there are companies that have like maximized on that and profited on that. There are companies that will curate, you know, playlists for restaurants and then, you know, it's, it's like a, it's a paid service, but, um, how often do you change your playlists? Every couple of months. And I, I can tell when the staff are agitated, they'll start putting like Rihanna radio, which I don't mind. But uh, just recently, I asked a couple of the staff members to be like, "Hey, I wanna I wanna create a playlist, and you guys should all chip in. It's gonna be called Cool Dad, Hot Sauna, Cold Brew, and this dad can be this universal dad, and just you guys contribute. And they they've been like putting in. Awesome. Did you, and you proceeded to reject every one of the recommendations based <laughs> I, 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 off of I've not been, meeting I've been uh, screening it and, you know, giving him a listen. And sometimes you're just like, nah, that's not going to work. To your bartender, you're like, we didn't accept your song. And you're fired. <laughs> also, the right music can, like, keep you around. It will transition people to maybe go hang out at the bar. Maybe they don't need to change their venue for the next chapter of their night. They're like, the music here is good. Totally. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, how do you upsell the karaoke room? Are you like, you want to hear more of this music? You want to sing? 
Yeah, I mean, the, we don't. I don't think we upsell it per se because we are also known as a karaoke destination. So, so you don't have like a gig, one, ten minutes of free karaoke with your cocktail. Yeah, hand <laughs> <laughs> you the mic cocktail. at the bar. Yeah, exactly. We we do that sometimes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's more of an organic process. And if you vibe with your customers, like, hey, you might you might you you guys look like you're down to sing. You wanna... But with kids, it's great. You do the find those Disney I've songs. I've never done that, karaoke. Everyone knows all the words to them. I've never. It, it, that's like a, a loss of control thing. I've never done karaoke. I do time after time and make most of the people in the room cry. Uh, pleasure and emotion. What's time your, after time, Cindy Lauper. Also, boy with the thorn in his side, the Smiths. We should have had these queued up for the radio so that we could have had a little. Uh, I, a I little can't sing, boy. A nice German folk tale, children's folk tale Why about a mother cooking her children in the black forest. All right, what's your go? If you had to do it, if you if you had a beautiful voice, I don't. What would be your go-to song? Do you have a song you wish you? Could I sing? always wanted to be a rapper. Yeah. Oh, oh German, German hip hop. That's. And I do like hip hop a lot, but um, no, I, I would not go. No karaoke. I love karaoke. It's really, really a beautiful culture. Of just go regular old guys, you know, at a bar. I guess people are not drinking. Ju- are people less judgmental hour. with the karaoke mindset? I guess I'm more worried about like, is everyone judging how bad I am? Yeah, you know, you, you got to let go of that, and that's what karaoke is all about. Is about like, you know, just get over yourselves and yes. just have have a good time. And remember, yeah. by never singing, back uh, you, you go the other direction, but people end up not trusting you, judging <laughs> you for other reasons. Oh. No, but I'm serious. If you never do it, you have to pick a song that's in your voice range. So Ace of Bass, something like that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also have to really, like, already know the words. I don't want to just read off the screen. I want to feel like I at least know where where you're supposed to change. uh, There's good. You should go Marcel Marceau. Call up all the Marcel Marceau ones. That would be great. He was a mime. (laughs) <laughs> so, um, so no cash accepted no tips allowed this is our last question before break no cash accepted no tips allowed is cash money ever exchanged anymore how about house accounts so i guess this is our question do you have a house account anywhere did you even know such a thing existed because in the old days many new yorkers had house accounts where they don't have to pay each time they just at the end of the month get a bill wow. they go to a supermarket or a bar well you I know this is actually oh Sorry. I'm sorry to cut in. Uh, it's kind of a newsy item because uh, I'm pretty sure San Francisco is trying to pass something that says that you cannot eliminate cash from uh, the types of payment methods that you accept because it it disproportionately affects the less fortunate. Absolutely. Who need to who don't have bank accounts and other things like that i hate being given like 11 dollars and 80 cents change but i want i i know you have to do that also on highways maybe you only have one toll booth attendant but if you're like yeah someone who's just driving somewhere and doesn't have a credit card that's oh i'm bad. okay with that they bill you in the mail they just like bill it to your yeah. license plate that that keeps up flow yeah, of traffic do. that's all right fine. so then the other one yes what, the other one saying. no but you're right like i walked into a dig in yesterday um and the, on the door it says we are a cashless environment you know we only accept credit cards um only like amex platinum no they they <laughs> accept debit cards too. i see but that means that you have to have money in a bank account or you have to have an established line of credit and that is i guess as you said eric skewing mm-hmm. who you can sell to. It is discriminating. Exactly. You accept yep. cash, right? Yeah. 
Totally. Oh yeah. yeah. It's yep. it, you have to. <laughs> Do people pay cash for your standard. newspaper subscription? Absolutely, man. If you want to walk in here with your cash, or I guess if you're Eric's like, I won't turn you down. What? What? You I'm said sorry? you. Yeah, you're not turning anyone away who wants to be a subscriber. Nope. So, what is the yep. top story today? I mean, this is your chance to gain uh, a subscriber well, to, depending on how many listeners. We'll mail a we check. Have. We'll mail a check. Well, I saved a real good New York style story for you this week, Patrick. Is this going to be uh, anti-Semitic? Once, no, just kidding. one of one of our Alamedans went over to San Francisco and stabbed somebody and got arrested and thrown in jail. Yes. And how about that? Finally, that a story that we can tell our children about. I like how you said know, went over into here. San Francisco. <laughs> so they, he they took a what did he take a Bart? <laughs> yeah, probably or the ferry. You know, he could have Ubered over there. You never know. Motive. Um, what was it? Is the Uber uh, driver uh, complicit? Is that part of, if if he took an Uber? Fifty-nine year old man stabbed in the back. Uh, approached mm. the victim from behind, stabbed him, immediately fled the scene. Sounds similar to uh, Ortiz. Oh, interesting. Except with a knife. And uh, did the guy survive? Right, the the victim. Uh, looks like it. Yeah. I hope so. Looks like it. Looks are you there? Where he's treated for his wounds and later released. So it's a good story. He's reading he's his survived. front page. Yeah. He's reading so the it Thursday sounds like a page. random act of violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe sounds there is pre- motive. Who knows? A bit premeditated. Well, stay tuned. We'll hear she about this next week. She took the Uber to get there. Exactly. Subscribe and you'll find out. Exactly. Yeah. Subscribe to the Alameda Sun. <laughs> On the cover of the good, Times today, uh, we had a kind of Alameda type story. A cat was rescued. Uh, from a tree oh. in Prospect Park. Yeah, that was the cover story of the Times today. Was it? No, just Ow. kidding. <laughs> no, Jeez, it wasn't. Patrick, I'm that teasing. Was hard. I have great, I have great admiration for what. All right, we have to cut to a about. very quick break uh, from our sponsors. Stick around; we will be back shortly with uh, more with Young and Doreen. This episode is brought to you by Visit Ithaca. Located in New York's Finger Lakes region, Ithaca boasts an authentic craft beverage experience, tasty farm-to-table culinary adventures, and scenic outdoor recreation. As the saying goes, Ithaca is gorgeous. The city is home to 150 waterfalls and gorges sprinkled through its downtown and sloping hillsides. State parks and acres of natural lands offer outdoor recreation for every level of enthusiast. Come stroll among the cool ravines, scenic hiking trails, and natural vistas. Ithaca is home to Ivy League Cornell University and Ithaca College, resulting in an influx of new cultures, new tastes, and new energy every year. There's so much to explore, from art galleries and museums to unique attractions like the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. Ithaca sits at the heart of a blossoming heritage and craft cider industry. Some of these delicious ciders can be bought in market, but many of the most unique varieties can only be experienced with a visit to Ithaca and this great cider region. Go to visitithaca.com to get inspired and plan your trip today. Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. It's Todd Shulkin, the host of Inside Joy's Kitchen here on HRN. Inside Julia's Kitchen carries on Julia Child's legacy of introducing the brightest lights in the food world to a wider audience, just as Julia did from her home kitchen. Look for Inside Julia's Kitchen wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. 
All right, we're back. This is the this main is the course. German of the group here. It's hey. just about everything. It's not all about Germany. New York is a melting pot. She's been here for 10 years. Do you know Volkswagen is back? They came back with an ad during the NBA fin- or Stanley Cup finals yesterday. Volkswagen did. And you know what car they are using? The punch buggy. Very close. It's the next one. The original VW bus? Yes. The VW bus. They have a modern version of the bus. Yeah, and it's electric. Right, it's electric. Yep, I yep. thought that was. An it interesting seems very one. apropos of sort of the the hippie movement. I mean, that was that mm-hmm. was everybody who was driving the VW buses to begin with. Of course, it should be electric and good for the environment. The VW sure. bus had its problem that there was only a thin bit of sheet metal between your knees and the car in front of you. Like even <laughs> parallel parking, you could be crippled. But uh, you. I'm sure. I don't. I wonder where the motor is on the new one, or if there is even a motor with. They were. They were in the back, right? right? It was in the back. This new one must put more, more hardware in the front because. I'm curious. Is it going to be like the big families? It's no longer the suburban, but you get the VW bus. That'd be cool. All right. And Volkswagen, a company you can trust. (laughs) Oh yeah. Sorry. For sure. <laughs> so we uh, welcome back to uh, Young and Doreen. Thanks for being with us on the show. We are broadcasting live from uh, Roberta's here in Bushwick, Brooklyn on Heritage Radio Network. So, Young, you grew up in Dubai. Tell us about the food scene there. Is there one? Um, growing up, there is definitely a scene of sorts. Um, one of the main populations, you know, um, it's an expat community. A lot of Indians and Pakistanis and Bangladesh, so there's a lot of their food. Um, but uh, growing up, I didn't eat a lot of that because you know my, my family, uh, both Koreans, aren't familiar with that. So we eat a lot at home, a lot of Korean food, and then going out, there's like the international scene. So you go to like the Italian spot or like sushi spot or Japanese. There's Benihana there, but you know. Wow. Well, um, and now there's lots of uh, American chefs who go there and open right, new places. Right, right. So it's a whole new scene out there, um, which I'm not so familiar with anymore. But um, yeah, and then, you know, obviously the Middle Eastern food is always there. And that's always incredible. Just a meze. And Was Benihana the first, like, American restaurant to bring the oven out into the dining room? The cooking device? I mean, I remember vividly my first experiences at Benihana. I love that place. Yeah. Growing up. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And speaking of, you know, oh, I was say, as a chef, is it? I mean, with Korean barbecue, the the table is where the cooking is done, at least for the meat. You have lots of things that are prepared in the back, but for the meat, is it hard to let your customers prepare their own meat? Do you worry they won't do it justice, do it um, properly? And yes vegetables. and no. Yes and no, because sometimes they burn it and they're like, "Uh, can we get another one?" And it's like, "Oh." Yeah, I guess, you know, but then, you know, we... Will you honor that? We do honor it. Uh, wow. it, it doesn't happen as a, a But then a lot, the second time, be, the waiter oversees to yeah, make sure exactly. it's not But, ruined. you know, we, we train our servers and uh, back waiters properly and make sure they know what they're looking for. At least no one can send something back for being undercooked. Yeah, because they have the power to fix their... <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Doreen, you're a, a natural wine consultant. What does that mean? What is your process and what you do? So basically, there's a lot of restaurants out there that are not really looking anymore for a full-time sommelier, or there's no need for it, you know, to go to a table and be like, oh, can I recommend you something? Uh, I really train all the staff to make this more flow. Um, yeah, I work with smaller restaurants, 
but also larger restaurants um, that are just really don't need somebody that this on the floor. Um, I put together, if it's a new restaurant, a brand new concept that I will discuss with the owners. And um, I'm on retainer. I work there every single month. I take care at the moment still myself of inventories and stuff. I just, I, I want perfection and I really want all the numbers to match. And I am um, really help them grow their wine program, um, help them to get some press, do a lot of events with them. I just did like a couple winemakers events. Uh, Yeti and the Coconut actually brought some wine here for you guys. Um, yeah, just help uh, the smaller places or the places that are not in need uh, of a full-time sommelier um, to grow their wine program. What's the stereotype of, of natural wines? You know, what is there an uphill battle you're fighting to overcome? Uh, I mean, you know, when I mentioned that I only work with natural wine, which is really uh, like I'm not budging that this is 100% natural wine. You're either all in or you're not. I mean, it's like, oh, my God, I'm the enemy and natural wine is terrible and it's funky. Um, but, you know, like some people grow and they want to educate themselves and some people they just like are 50 years old and they don't learn and they may Excuse not me. know. They may not know like what natural <laughs> wine really is, and they don't want to know. You know, some people close their eyes, and you know. Is all just... orange wine natural? No, uh, it's not. But um, most of them are. I see. And what is natural wine? It has to have skin contact. No, <laughs> that's biodynamic. Oh, okay. Sorry. Clearly, um, I don't know. It's I can biodynamic. tell you well researched. <laughs> well researched natural <laughs> wine. For um, me, they are often a little funky, and they are a little biodynamic of the earth. They have that funkiness, and so I, I, I think we need a session after okay, this. Okay, we need a session. Um, but it's it's all. What about- if someone came to you and said, "I would like to be a wine salesman for you"? You're like, okay, but it was like a lady with like hair all over and and just like smelly and like hadn't bathed i mean you'd be like i'm sorry i cannot hire you because this is gonna hurt the stereotype you mean a rep yeah a rep. Um, he's i don't hire if, them he's but. asking if the more natural you are in your way yeah. of life. I, I think everybody needs a shower like i would show up and be like can i be a rep she'd look me up and down and be like no way dude we're trying to overcome the stereotype but i'm not selling wine so i don't have a rep i have other people i work with that i do like events like there are some tech companies that, that want to do like orange wine tastings and stuff mm. like that. But um, to go back to your questions, it's basically, it's all about the growing process. Um, and there's a lot of things that people are just not educated in how much spraying is really happening in vineyards, um, how much stuff is getting put in the soil and how much is happening um, during the, uh, in, inside the, the winery, how many things you can buy and add to the wine. Um, it's honestly pretty intense. There are over 200 additives allowed in the U.S. Wow. and also in other parts of the world. And um, when you actually know all of this stuff, you really can't go back um, to any other wines. And um, I just feel like the whole natural wine is like a long story that is like so growing and it's so interesting and exciting and things are happening. And that's the only part in the wine world that is actually uh, growing and trying things out that are new. Young, cool. Young's shaking his head here. Are you, are you on the natural wine game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> our, our opening GM, um, uh, Jamie Seat, uh, and her wife, Kemi Revere, who's a natural wine importer, they, they set up the wine program at INSA. Uh, Jamie did. And, um, I mean, that's when I fell in love with natural wines and have completely converted from, like, beer and liquor to, like, only natural wines. And, like, it's, I feel better. I don't mm. feel like crap. You know, definitely the sulfite thing is real. 
you feel it, you smell it, you taste it, and it's it's just a completely different product. Mm. And it's not always funky. Like you get stuff that like just tastes very interesting, and it's not. Obviously, there are the wines that get the. I think like the whole funky thing is a good and bad thing, but just the fact that it's become this whole new trend, people are trying it out because it's becoming trendy. But at the same time, they're educating themselves and supporting this great product and, and winemakers it's and just like it's not a trend because like there's a lot of big time chefs actually that were like giving me shit um and they were like this is a trend that's gonna go away i mean how can what you a even, terrible like, thing to tell you yeah <laughs> it's gonna go away i'm you're like you're gonna be unemployed okay it, you're gonna be unemployed it takes 15 years to become biodynamic yeah. like how do you gonna like just okay i'm just gonna scrap this um it's just yeah, where even if the quality is lower it will not go away. What they're thinking and hoping is that over time, the Rothschilds, you know, older wines will win out over the natural. But they won't. The whole world's moving in that direction. And I don't think the quality is less. So, I mean, like it or not, they have to deal with that. But look at, like, food products, like how we grow tomatoes, how we want our um, beef to be raised. Um, it's like a whole circle. And I sometimes don't understand that people are against natural wine because, like, they're not against uh, those best ingredients. Well, we talk about this sometimes. Everyone focuses on, you know, their vegetables and are they buying organic vegetables? Are they knowing their farmer? But then they don't necessarily care where the meat on their plate came from. Or, as you're saying, they don't care about the story behind their wine. You know, it has to all kind of fall in sync with each other. And I must say, I also really do a lot of research on the wines. Um, there are natural wine portfolios that I buy from. But it's not all real. So some have like a lot of sulfites added to it or do some uh, spray something that mm -hmm. you didn't know about. Like I am very like a perfectionist with that. Um, it's not enough to just be organic. I, I want to know the entire process. And I really like I, I ask a lot of questions and I often like ask the wineries myself. I want to know and I don't want anything on my list that is not 100 percent. Well, are most are most producers here in the U.S. or they're in other From countries? All over. Now, what is the vast majority of the wine sales that you do, or, or getting people to buy wines? Is it just come from two or three producers? Yeah, I work for the restaurants, so I She's don't an sell. I'm not a rep. But I mean, but you're always choosing which wines they should sell, right? Based on a concept. And you're going to your usual, how many, 10, 20 vineyards that you have no, a particular relationship with? No, it's like I want to always like change, change. And I want every list to be completely different. Okay. Um, Do you have one go-to? Like if you were to recommend to our listeners, is there a favorite right now or one particular natural wine you maybe have put on all the lists just because it's approachable or... No, or, I, or I, none of those I want to make this like? hard for myself. So like I, I, I give myself so many limitations. Um, it's like um, I'm, I'm constantly I want to learn about new wineries. I, I want to see trends, what's happening in the U.S. But I just um, visited um, Yeti and the Coconut in Australia. And like they dropped like 10 cases of something. And I'm happy that I got something. And um, their, their wines are really incredible. And they're sourcing from several uh, vineyards uh, in Australia. And I got this amazing tour. And yeah. That's cool. Cool. Really Is that amazing what you stuff. In? I, I got you some. So yeah? we can taste that after. Ah, we'll do a danke. little tasting. Yeah. There's a Savanin. Which Here, is let's open it. Is it twist off? Do it now while we're still on air. Well, Young, what's next? Uh, you do you really do have a fantastically unique restaurant that people love thank you we've and been there 20 times 
Um, thanks. Um, and then I owe that definitely to my partners, Ben and Zoe, for bringing me on. Um, on the horizon, I, I, I don't have anything concrete yet, but I am thinking about, you know, um, something smaller, um, perhaps replicable, but, you know, I, I, I a do... A single communal grill barbecue in front of everybody's... <laughs> yeah, I'll be Benihana by Young. <laughs> no, um, you play the music. Yeah, on I'm teaching on one side. Exactly. Um, I mean, that's probably, like, when I'm 50, I'd love to have, like, a little diner thing you know i don't know that's just, i always ask that's where the will all the chefs plan? go when they're in their 60s and 70s unless they're very fortunate like you to own their own place when you're 65 <laughs> and you don't want to stand in the kitchen i think there's going to be a whole bunch of uh cottage industries like a big building B &B will have yes. five yeah. chefs oh okay so you live in a on Court Street between this and this. There's four or five chefs more or less that handle that area. That's that'd be cool. I That's think a great it'll idea. be like that. Yeah, I like that. Would idea. you like it to be uh, Court Street by Young? We can work on that. Oh, uh, let's, let's talk. Let's talk. <laughs> and then, uh, Doreen, really quickly, where are you? I know you're consulting with your the sommelier for several restaurants. You said you're opening somewhere out in Montauk. And then, where can people taste some of the wines you select in the city? Um, Who's she gonna mention? Oh. <laughs> Not that many. Um, I right now I'm at Sal Rose uh, in the Lower East Side, and we're opening most likely. I can't even say. We're yeah. opening very very soon uh, in Montauk, and um, uh, you can taste some of my wines at Urban Uncorked uh, in uh, downtown Brooklyn. Cool. Well, thanks, we'll guys. This has been out. a great show. Who do we have on next week? Next week is Sam Edwards visiting us from Surrey, Virginia. Very the nice. maker of the famous Suriano uh, Long Age Heritage Ham. And he has sausages and bacons. Maybe we're going to do a little bit of cooking before the show so we can eat on the air. And we're going to taste this delicious wine now. So thanks so much for bringing it. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. Taste uh, of the Past. Taste of the Past is up next. And we will see you guys next week. Doreen and Young, thank you. Eric, talk to you next week. Sure thing. Bye, Eric. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Eric is so Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter. Our handle is at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com forward slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the AHRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.